Section 7 of The Spirit of Place in Other Essays This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo The Spirit of Place in Other Essays by Alice Maynell the foot time was when no good news made a journey and no friend came near but a welcome was uttered or at least thought for the travelling feet of the wayfarer or the herald the feet the feet were beautiful on the mountains their toil was the price of all communication and their reward the first service and refreshment they were blessed and bathed they suffered but they were friends with the earth dews and grass at morning shallow rivers at noon gave them coolness they must have grown hard upon their mountain paths yet never so hard but they needed and had the first pity and the readiest succor it was never easy for the feet of man to travel this earth shod or unshod and his feet are delicate like his colour if they suffered hardship once they suffer privation now yet the feet should have more of the acquaintance of earth and no more flowers freshness cool brooks wild thyme and salt sand then does anything else about us it is their calling and the hands might be glad to be stroked for a day by grass and struck by buttercups as the feet are of those who go barefoot and the nostrils might be flattered to be like them so long near moss the face has only now and then for a resting while their privilege if our feet are now so severed from the natural ground they have inevitably lost life and strength by the separation it is only the entirely unshod that have lively feet watch a peasant who never wears shoes except for a few unkind hours once a week and you may see the play of his talk in his mobile feet they become as dramatic as his hands fresh as the air brown with the light and healthy from the field not used to darkness not grown in prison the foot of the contadino is not abashed it is the foot of high life that is prim and never lifts a heel against its dull conditions for it has forgotten liberty it is more active now than it lately was certainly the foot of a woman is more active but whether on the pedal or in the stirrup or clad for a walk or armed for a game or decked for the waltz it is in bonds it is at any rate inarticulate it has no longer a distinct and divided life or none that is visible and sensible whereas the whole living body 
has naturally such infinite distinctiveness that the sense of touch differs as it were with every nerve and the fingers are so separate that it was believed to them of old that each one had its angel yet the modern foot is as much as possible deprived of all that delicate distinction undone unspecialized sent back to lower forms of indiscriminate life it is though a landscape with separate sweetness in every tree should be rudely painted with a blank blank not simple generalities of a vulgar hand or as though one should take the pleasures of a day of happiness in a wholesale fashion not turning the hours to moments which joy can do to the full as perfectly as pain the foot with its articulations is suppressed and its language confused when lovelace likens the hand of amarantha to a violin and her glove to the case he has at any rate a glove to deal with not a boot yet amarantha's foot is as lovely as her hand it too has a tender inward no wayfaring would ever make it look anything but delicate its arch seems too slight to carry her through a night of dances it does in fact but balance her it is fit to cling to the ground but rather for springing than for rest and doubtless for man woman and child the tender irregular sensitive living foot which does not even stand with all its little surface on the ground and which makes no base to satisfy an architectural eye is as it were the unexpected thing it is a part of vital design and has a history and man does not go erect but at a price of weariness and pain how weak it is may be seen from a footprint for nothing makes a more helpless and unsymmetrical sign than does a naked foot tender too is the silence of human feet you have but to pass a season amongst the barefooted to find that man who shod makes so much ado is naturally as silent as snow woman who not only makes her armed heel heard but also goes rustling like a shower is naturally silent as snow the vintager is not heard among the vines nor the harvester on his threshing floor of stone there is a kind of simple stealth in their coming and going and they show sudden smiles and dark eyes in and out of the rows of harvest when you thought yourself alone the lack of noise in their movement sets free the sound of their voices and their laughter floats but we shall not praise the simple sweet and earth-confiding feet enough without thanks for the rule of verse and for the time of song if poetry was first divided by the march and next varied by the dance then to the rule of the foot are to be ascribed the thought the instruction and the dream 
that could not speak by prose. Out of that little physical law, then, grew a spiritual law, which is one of the greatest things we know. And from the test of the foot came the ultimate test of the thinker. Is it accepted of song? The monastery, in like manner, holds its sons to little trivial rules of time and exactitude, not to be broken, laws that are made secure against the restlessness of the heart, fretting for insignificant liberties. Trivial laws to restrain from a trivial freedom. And within the gate of these laws, which seems so small, lies the world of mystic virtue. They enclose, they imply, they lock, they answer for it. Lesser virtues may flower in daily liberty and may flourish in prose, but infinite virtues and greatness are compelled to the measure of poetry and obey the constraint of an hourly convent bell. It is no wonder that every poet worthy the name has had a passion for metre, for the very verse. To him, the difficult fetter is the condition of an interior range immeasurable. End of section 7